It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. The time has come to talk about taxes. Forget the European Union, forget the people's vote, forget the royal baby and don't even think about England beating Spain last night at football. This morning we're talking about something much more important than all of that uh, and of course more specifically it is your money. Chancellor Philip Hammond has worked out that he doesn't have enough of it and he's launching a series of measures to get more of it. He's going to tax wine which is good, he's going to tax private schools, also good and he's going to raise VAT and income tax which is very very bad indeed. It's all because Theresa May announced that austerity has apparently worked and that it's now no longer necessary. Can anyone even tell me exactly what austerity is, what it did, what it stopped us doing? Because I don't know the answer. 0344 499 1000. Daisy McAndrew is here. She'll be telling me why we should be more worried about what's happening in Germany and we'll be finding out why there are so many bullies and sex pests in Westminster. And we're talking about hoaxes as well. 0344 499 1000. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, and Daisy McAndrew on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Graham on Talk Radio. Very good morning to you, Daisy. I trust you've recovered from royal baby fever. Uh, The papers, of course, haven't. Uh, The first 11 pages of the Daily Mail this morning, slightly over the top, I think. But, uh, you know, playing playing to their market. Yes, they absolutely are. Uh, Loads and loads of coverage of that. We did loads of it yesterday, so we're not really planning to talk about royal babies today uh, or Australians who want to call the new uh, coming princess uh, Matilda. Matilda, which which is my sister's name, I hasten to add. So you would be batting for that one. Well, I would, but my mum was half Australian and my sister was born on Anzac Day, so Matil- Matilda. Matilda was an obvious yes, choice. Yes, I suppose so. <laughs> what I want to talk about, though, is tax this morning, because there's a lot of stories about tax knocking around. One is that uh, Philip Hammond has decided uh, he wants to raid uh, school fees to bring in £1.5 billion a year. Uh, he wants to put VAT on private schools. I'm not a big fan of private schools, so I don't mind that at all. I don't like the idea of him putting uh, one penny on VAT generally, because I think VAT is already collecting loads and loads of money in. Do you know what I'm wondering? Just, an awful lot of people. Just on a little side note... Now, I've noticed a lot recently, I don't know if you heard, um, you know, Westminster School, the private school in London, yeah. one of the richest in the country, is setting up a new a sort of new project where it will offer um, hundreds of bursaries and free places. for right. I think Dulwich College is doing the same. Oh, now, yeah. This is all happening. Desperate in the, measures, I would well, say. Well, this is all happening in the last week. And I was right. thinking, gosh, how, how come they've, <laughs> they, they've become so very generous in the past week? Isn't that marvellous? Yeah, well, week. what it tells you as well is how much money they're actually making hand over fist. I know they employ an awful lot of people uh, yeah. in jobs 
which which actually teach an awful lot of foreign students as well. People come from all over the world to put their kids in places like Westminster and Eton. And, and Westminster Harrow and all is setting that. up six schools in China. Yeah, well, that doesn't surprise <laughs> me either because they know on which side their bread is buttered. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, that's a separate argument about private schools. I'm not a big fan of them. I'm quite happy to see them taxed more. That doesn't yeah, bother just, me at all. It's interesting to see they were obviously, you know, they could see that you things see were... This coming. See this coming. Mm. I thought we'll get in first with some, you know, some some examples yes, of how very to try and soften how the much blow. noblesse oblige we have. Yes, exactly. Well, the problem I've got generally about the whole austerity conversation is that when Theresa May got up and made her speech in uh, Conservative Party conference, everybody thought reasonably well received. She didn't do anything particularly brilliant, uh, but she was, um, you know, she did look as if she was in more control of the economy than she was last year, uh, and in fact, in more yeah. control of the stage than she was last year as well. But she said austerity's over; it has worked, uh, and now we have the we we can see our way clear to having a brilliant economy. I didn't understand any of that because one, I've never quite understood what austerity was. I've never quite understood what measures were taken which actually changed anything. And three, finally, um, I don't understand what now has changed. I don't see any change whatsoever. But I think you you would only have experienced the effects of austerity if if the cuts that were made, which are beyond doubt there yeah. were massive cuts were to there? yeah there, there were huge cuts to public services and public service budgets well, but, I, but you I would use only, public services i didn't notice any not in the way that i mean the you know some examples some some councils had their budgets cut by well the average council had its budget cut by a fifth which yeah. is which is very significant that's and some had their budgets cut by half yes um, you know, police guess... police spending down 17%, roads down a quarter, libraries a third, courts mm-hmm. a third, prisons a fifth. Those are very, very big cuts. But none of those cuts, apart from potholes, which you have been banging yeah. on about, none of those would really impact you. Right. Well, let me find out what exactly has been going on. Richard Murphy is political economist and director of Tax Research UK. I'm just puzzled as to why austerity was brought in. And if it was brought in in the way that people describe, uh, did it really work? And why can we now give it up? Richard, a very good morning to you. You're welcome. Good morning. Good I'm not. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to be deliberately obtuse here. I honestly, genuinely don't understand what austerity was. I don't really understand what it's achieved, uh, and if it did achieve something, uh, what is it exactly that it did achieve? Well, austerity was a deliberate attempt to squeeze the size of government, and it, in that sense, has worked. Government is smaller than it would have been. If is we it? look at the size of the UK's spend. Uh, by government in proportion to what is spent elsewhere in Europe, for example, similar types of country. Of the 28 member states, we are 20th. We spend 33% of our total national income on government services, and there are many that spend more than 40%. We are down with the likes of, I don't know, Croatia, Uh Portugal and Romania. Doesn't sound terribly austere to me, though, Richard, to spend nearly a third of your income on government. Well, actually, I think you're completely wrong. I think we should spend vastly more on government because it's what people want. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. Why would you want to give the government any money at all? Can I have a... Hang on. Can I have a chance? You've invited me on. Don't worry. You'll be here for a long long time, Richard. You'll have plenty of time to speak. Don't get get snitty already. We're only in two minutes. Can I answer them? Yes, please. Right. Austerity was a deliberate squeeze on government spending. Who have suffered? The poorest councils in the country. The council that has suffered the most is Blackpool. People in Blackpool have seen a massive cut in services. Who in society have suffered the most? The disabled have suffered the most. They have seen massive cuts in their support. So they now are very often simply left at home, unable to do anything. So when the government... Who also have suffered those with mental health issues because they simply don't get the support they now require. Who else? People who suffer 
crime because we simply don't have any police anymore to actually deal with most crimes. We've heard that vast numbers of crimes are now never investigated. Yeah, but you're just trusting... Richard, with respect to you, I'm just going to interrupt you. Richard, Richard, would you mind if I just interrupt you? Because we're having a conversation here. It's not just a one-way monologue, Okay. Now, you are trotting out all of the things that everybody trots out about how austerity has affected all sorts of people. But I don't really see how that one can be then described as working or two, where, where is the benefit that we've got? Because we've still well, borrowed... Hang on. Are you, right. you going to let me finish, Richard? Yeah. Well, I mean, the point is, is that we have, uh, we have borrowed massively during this period of austerity, which tells me that actually we've got ourselves into more debt as a government, so the idea of saving any money seems ridiculous. Well, we didn't. It didn't work. It's absolutely blatant. It was the wrong policy. Why didn't it work? Because, in fact, let's be quite clear about it, government spending is someone else's income. That is a fact. Yeah, the government has no money of its own. Yes, it does. All money is the government's. You try and uh, find a, a pound note which is not created by the government. No, no, no. But, I mean, it's not generated by the government. The, the, the government gov- doesn't generate any money. Yes, it does. It creates all money. The, there is no money but government-created money. No, you I try have to find disagree. a pound that is not created by the government. Well, I have to disagree with you there, Richard. Well, you're because wrong. We, well, I'm not, actually, I'm not wrong, Richard. Wrong. No, you are trotting out some kind of lefty agenda which no, does no, not no, suit no, me at all. Pure economic facts. This is what we teach students. This is what the bank... That's what the problem is. How money is created. Money is only created by banks under government licence and by government spending. And the government has any amount of money it likes because it has its own bank and it can create whatever cash it likes. And the point is that if the government spends money, it puts people to work. And putting people to work actually creates wealth. The idea that only people who work for the private sector create wealth is a complete nonsense. If you don't believe that people working for the NHS create wealth, next time you turn up in A&E and ask to be treated, they'll put you at the back of the queue and leave you there for as long as you like. That's what happens anyway. No, you're not. The point is they create value. But Richard, getting back to... Value, value, Richard, is not the same as money, is it? You know that as well as I do. Richard, I would like to bring you back to the the, Mike's central question, which is what did austerity do and has it worked? And you've said it's failed miserably, but actually the government, the coalition government that first brought in austerity as a result of the huge financial crisis caused by the banks and the bank bailouts, faced with massive uh, debt and deficit, as far as the deficit is concerned, it has worked. It's been a remarkable achievement that the deficit has come down as much as it has. Yes, overall debt is still stubbornly sticking at just below two trillion, but deficit is massively down. Well, deficit is massively down, but let's look at the consequence of deficit being down. We now have the lowest growth in Europe. We are actually the poor nation of Europe, the worst off growth. Why is that? Because our government has refused to spend, and we need it to spend to keep people at work to stimulate growth. Well, our, our growth our growth hasn't been great, but our unemployment figures are great, and we have well, survived minute, better than most countries in the recession. The, most, of, yeah, most of the growth in unemployment has been people who are now self-employed. We have seen a There's nothing wrong with being self-employed, though, I is agree. there, Richard? I've been self-employed most of my life. There you go. Right. But that point is, most of those people are actually earning less than minimum wage now. And that is... Well, then they won't be paying any tax into the exchequer, will they? Yeah, no, that's the whole problem, you see, that we actually have got a low-growth, low-wage economy that doesn't function. If we had an economy where the government invested in education, in training, in creating investment opportunities, in creating new employment opportunities, we would have high growth, 
people earning more, people paying more tax, people are able, therefore, to support the economy better, and that would have been the consequence, and that's what the government... I take it you're not in favour, Richard, of uh, a sort of, of, of an economy which uh, is, has a small government involvement in it, uh, which allows people to spend more of their own money, uh, which also creates an awful lot of growth and a lot of opportunity as well. An awful lot of small businesses are suffering under a Tory government, bizarrely. Well, hang on, no, hang on Richard, you, you've had your turn, I'm going to have mine. The point about small businesses, small businesses create most of the work in this country, right? Most of the most of the people are employed by small businesses. Small businesses are being strangled by red tape. Uh, they're having their VAT uh, going up. They're having all sorts of problems with taxation. And the government is collecting more and more money off them and they're wasting not. more and more of it. So that's why we are stagnating, not because uh, we're not no. collecting enough tax, but because we're collecting too much. No, you're simply wrong there. First of no, all, I'm not wrong. That's no, my but, opinion, Richard. OK, it's your opinion. But I'll tell you, because you know, I happen to be a professor of economics. True. Well, very good for you. But I'm also a chartered accountant, and I have been senior partner of a firm of chartered accountants, and I've been a director of many trading companies. Well, I'm astonished then, therefore, that I'm astonished then that you think that the way forward is to give the government more of your money. Well, I know that as a person who ran real businesses and is still a director of real companies, I could never have done it without the support of the state, because I needed the state to train people so that they would turn up so that they could do the job. I needed the state to support those people so that they were healthy, so they could come to work in the morning and didn't have to worry about how they were going to meet their health bills. I knew that I needed the state to provide those people with childcare so that they could come to work and decent education so that their children were cared for during the day. I know I needed the infrastructure that the state paid for. How much money did the state give you, Richard? Hang on, I needed regulation to make sure there was a level... Are you sure you're an accountant? I needed... No, I needed that regulation to make sure it was safe to go and buy a coffee from a coffee shop because without regulation it would not be safe to buy coffee from a coffee shop because I wouldn't know that they'd done their job properly. <laughs> you're joking. You are joking now, aren't you? No, I am. You're doing a parody serious. show now, Richard. This is ridiculous. What on no, earth are you talking about? how we live. We have to trust, and the only reason we can... I don't trust the government one inch, Richard, and anybody yeah, well, with any brains would agree with me. If you don't trust somebody, how do you live in a society? I actually, like people, want to trust people, want to coexist with people, want to get on with them, and you're saying you want to live in a little isolated bubble by yourself. I won't find... Go you're probably in favour of staying in the European Union as well, are you, Richard? Sorry? Are you in favour of staying in the European Union yeah, as well? I'm in favour of staying in the European Union. Of course you are, yes. You tick every box that everybody ticks. I mean, it's ridiculous, Richard. How can you possibly argue uh, in favour of this government, which is hopeless, even whether it's being run by well, the Tories? Or, it's hopeless. Or, it's, hopeless. Oh, but government. you trust them this to have your money and you want to give them more of it? I do. Feel, no, I don't want this government to have more money. Oh. I'm actually not saying which, government which government would you like to? Have in, in I would like a government which, for which no party... Would you like to see yet? Jeremy Corbyn in power? Because he'd well, take I even more of it. Jeremy Corbyn, but I've actually also been deeply critical of Jeremy Corbyn, so let's be clear about that. OK. What I want is a government that would actually say, straightforwardly, we believe that if we spend money well and invest it wisely and we put it to use and create employment opportunities, this country will be better off. And if we tax fairly and make sure that everyone who owes their taxes pays it, we will create a level playing field in which competitive businesses can flourish in the UK, but we have not got that Well, let now. me give you a couple of examples of why this government should not be given any money. Uh, frankly, one is called Crossrail, and the other one is called HS2. That's just two that I've pl- I'm plucked, with you. plucked out of the air. So why points. on earth, Richard, would you, would you want to give them any more money? They're now saying that austerity is over, so therefore we're all going to be better off. However, they still want more money off us. No, they should instead be building 
vast numbers of houses for young people who can't afford to buy their own, so we need social housing. So we should give them all free houses, should we? No, I'm not saying we should give them free houses. There's something called rent that they would be paying in exchange for that, but we need to actually build the housing because the private sector won't, so we have a crisis. We should be greening our economy. We should be ensuring that we become the world leader in tidal and wind power, which we could be. We should be actually ensuring that every house in the UK can be, should be insulated so that we're not dependent on oil, so that our children have a chance of a future where the planet hasn't burned. We could be doing all those things, and they will require government pump pump-priming money, and if we actually... Yeah, but what the point is, I mean, you made this... To take the lead. You made this rather fatuous point about the government making money, which, of course, no, they do. Money. Well, well, hang on, hang on, Richard. Government. Let me speak, please. You said that the government makes all the money that exists in this country, which is a rather fatuous point, as you well know. It was all about... It was all about printing. No, it was all about printing the money, OK? Everybody knows that the government prints the money. If you print money in your back garden, you're going to get arrested and charged with, you know, counterfeiting. Well, we the, point. the government makes all the money. Yes, no, it. the government produces and manufactures money. It doesn't actually make any. The only money it gets oh, no, no, is... No, the only money it no, makes... No, Richard, no, are you going to let me speak? Because I've asked you to do that more than once and you haven't acceded to my request. <laughs> I've let you speak, so please give me the courtesy of allowing me to make my argument. The point is this. You do not have any money if you're a government unless you tax people who make real money, OK? That's true, isn't it? No, it's not true. Let's look at a simple argument as to why that's not true. How were the banks bailed out? You know, a trillion pounds was used to bail out the banks. It was simply created by the Bank of England. Yeah, it wasn't actually real money, was it? Yes, it was real money, totally real money, the same as quantitative easing was used to actually basically provide liquidity to the banks. Where did it come from? It was simply created by the government, £435 billion, and it's real money. So it's complete nonsense to say the government can't do this. What you're getting confused about is that you think that money is the same as value. And of course no, I don't, is. actually. I've, I've already said to you they're two completely different things. You've you're said really that teachers produce money, and, and I said, I said value is not the same thing, Richard. Hang on, you're saying that only the private sector can create value and that the government doesn't. That's not what I said at all. That's a complete misrepresentation of what I said. You cannot say the government can't create money. They can't create any money. They can only collect it. Do you think that the NHS is worthless? I don't. No, I didn't say it was, Richard. Well, therefore, you're willing to pay for it because it's got worth. Of course. Do you you think that education is worthwhile? If you do, you're willing to pay for it. Yes, of course. It doesn't mean it generates any money, though, Richard. Why not? It delivers money because you are willing to pay tax for it. Well, I'm not really given the option, to be honest. If you came to me and said, would you like to pay taxes or not? I might say, no, I wouldn't, actually, because you're going to waste most of the money and give it all away to the wrong people. Hang on, teachers and nurses and doctors, are they the wrong people? No, they're not, but there are plenty of other people who get money. For example, the Indian nation gets money when they shouldn't because they've got their own space programme and yet we give them millions and millions of pounds to do whatever they want with it. And let me also be honest, if I look at any company I've ever gone into and ever who's ever asked me for advice, and a lot have, I've always really? to say to them, yes, a lot have, I'm dealing with one right now, in between, you know, this conversation is taking place between talking to a private sector company... Make sure you tell them to pay as much tax as they possibly can. You have got your priorities wrong. You need to rethink what you're doing. Now, every single human-run organisation sometimes gets its priorities wrong. It doesn't mean you scrap the organisation. It means you change the priorities. You and I disagree on priorities. It does not mean government is a bad thing. And it doesn't mean that you're right and I'm wrong. And it doesn't mean that I'm right and you're wrong either. Yeah, but your logic is totally flawed that you're saying government is a bad thing and we don't want to pay it. Government does create... You've just admitted to me that government doesn't spend its money very well, and yet you'd like to give them more. I think the logical problem here... No, the logical problem is yours, not mine, Richard. 
The logical problem is that I said the government creates value, because it clearly does, because teachers, nurses, doctors, fire people, um, police, and everyone else create value. So do to local authority officers, so do to people who actually also provide mental health services, and so does it also create value to support the elderly, simply with pensions and people... Yeah, but you've now changed your argument from money to value, so, I mean, you can't win on every single point, Richard. You have to admit they're both separate. of value, and they do involve the payment of money and the expenditure of money. And so your argument that the government can't create and deliver value is just wrong. I'm sorry, it's just factually so, so inept, it's just very hard to understand how anybody can believe that the NHS does not create money. Because all those people who work in the NHS are paid and spend the money, and it's all done for public benefit, which we all appreciate. Yes, but Richard, I'm afraid you're never going to learn the lesson of life, which is that that money comes from people like me and people like you you. who pay income tax. Otherwise, there would be no money. There wouldn't be any, Richard. You know that as well as I do, unless you live in cloud cuckoo land up the top of a mountain. The government spends the money it creates and then taxes it back. And if it spends it wisely to the limit of the capacity of the economy, we are all better off. But no. Richard, Richard, just just to interrupt you there, I think the you know the most important word you just used is wisely. And what most of us know is that the government, on the whole, is so cumbersome that it doesn't spend wisely. I mean, just look at the NHS. You just mentioned it. You know, look at its vastly uh, inefficient it's, it's, organisation. The, the computer system. It's you know wasted billions of pounds on that, and that's one of the reasons why people don't trust the government to spend wisely. Of course, in a utopian world, if the government um, did invest, which I think, on the whole, you and Mike are disagreeing over language. Richard wishes he lived in the former Soviet Union, I think. Well, no, because because if the government does spend wisely and invest wisely as an investor in in education... Without money. No, but what I mean is more, you know, chooses to spend its money on the correct things, which will have a a good um, outcome for its money. So, in other words, if you educate kids who then go on to earn very very good money later... And then pay more money back in, that's good. That's a good investment. But 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 what I'm saying is it doesn't work like that or you know very often because well, the government is inefficient can we just talk about why it's inefficient we've hardly got any time left richard okay, because you've been bleating on for too long example. about it the reason why the nhs is so inefficient is that the government imposed upon the nhs the most stupid structure where it pretends that it's a whole series of independent businesses so you agree that the nhs is badly run oh i agree that the, the so let's give them some more money then Well, political dog was a very dangerous thing, Richard, when you talk about economics, as you should well know. But thank you very much indeed for taking the time to talk to us. Richard Murphy, political economist, which I think is the clue, rather than a real economist, because he's got views which, quite frankly, are outmoded and ridiculously kind of old-fashioned when it comes to the public sector and the private sector sharing the wealth of an economy. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Let's talk to Marie, who's in Castleford, West Yorkshire. Hello, Marie. <laughs> Good morning, Daisy. Good morning. Good morning, Marie. What would you like to tell us? 
Um, if I may just say, just before I start, there's been a lot about loneliness, and I'd just like to say what you do is an amazing job of keeping people that are at home all day company. Oh, it's lovely. A great well, show. that's very nice. Thank you, um, Marie. You give us something to get up for every morning. Well, that's so very thank kind. You. Thank you very much. And I just want to say. I'm sorry no, for the occasional shouting. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I enjoy it. I like to. I imagine your face just getting redder and redder and redder, actually. So I it's not that it bad, amusing. to be honest. It's my way of relaxation in the morning. No, I appreciate it. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, I really enjoy it. Good. <laughs> uh, but I've rang you, uh, not as complex as that last caller, unfortunately, just about austerity and the way that it's hit round mm. here, yes. um, where we live. We've had um, all of our local swimming pools and leisure centres closed down and the land is really? all mm. for sale t- for development, yeah. Um, so the council has sold off everything that have... Uh, that uh, were their assets. So were all of the town halls, um, you know, all of the local government buildings have all been sold. And as I say, the leisure centres have been closed down, the libraries have been closed down, and then they've just built um, our... Um, MP is Yvette Cooper and they've just built one central office in Wakefield which is called Wakefield One now where all of the government buildings are so in Castleford we don't have any town hall you know. We, so we is have, there no sort of headquarters for local council then? No, and only in Wakefield now, but yeah. we all used to have our own town hall, might you see, but right. now with all of that, so there aren't any carts, all the carts have been closed down, so you know the local magistrate carts yes. have gone. Mm. Um, so, so much has gone, and it's been sold off, and that's why I laugh when I hear Jeremy Carbon coming on to these, you know, getting all, everything back, you know, publicly owned, because it'd just be impossible, because the government, well, our, you know, our council have just sold everything off, yeah. so yeah. I just don't see how it would be possible. Sure. That, sh- that ship has sailed, Marie, but, hasn't but it? But would you say, Marie, that you're worse off as an individual because of all of those buildings being sold off, or, or, or does it not make it much difference? Oh, no, absolutely, yeah, because we don't have a swimming pool. You know, we don't. We used to be able to go have a swim, so I have a 16-year-old daughter. So recreationally, she doesn't have anything. You know, they've yeah. let all the parks go down. There's no park keepers, um, the tennis carts, the golf. We had a local public, you know, pay-and-play golf course that's yeah. gone. They've just, literally, Wakefield Council have just sold everything, every asset off, and it's had a massive impact, you know, on the, on the area as well. Whole. I, I mean, I don't feel it, you know, the impact of it immediately, mate, you know, but I mean, you know, I, I'm disabled and I've got a lot of problems, so I feel it in that way, you know, with public services, um, so like mental health and, and local, our local hospital has been closed down, it used to be an accident and emergency, again, that's no longer there. Mm. So I think. See, I find it amazing. I find it amazing, Marie, that that, that they've still got a lot of money, and yet they are impacting people, ordinary people like yourselves, uh, by shutting things down. Which tells me that 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 they're overspending in other areas. You know, because. yeah, the expenditure and the, the, the wages, mate, are ridiculous. But yeah. the thing is that round here, you could literally put Peppa Pig to stand and, and they should get voted in because nobody will change anything. You see, I come down south and I see the lovely areas, but the people will vote down there, they'll vote them out. But round here, because it's such a staunch Labour area, mm. they don't have to, you know, campaigning, they don't even come round, they don't even offer a leaflet or anything because it's on... Well, you, I mean, you saw with Ed Balls, that were a prime example down where we live. You know, the sheer complacency that they don't even have to 
com- campaign when you know when there's an election, be it local or, or national. So, Marie, yeah, I'm really I'm really interested in the politics because obviously your area. I mean, it, it's definitely true that there is a north south divide mm. when it comes to oh, the effects the effects of austerity and yeah, and the north has definitely, definitely suffered definitely suffered more and I think that has had a big impact on politics I think it had an influence on Brexit because I think a lot of people thought that you know areas in the north of England were directly uh, suffering as a result of flash you know city bankers who lost all the money and I think that that level of resentment that came you know because because of what happened and then you know so then there's a sort of anti-establishment feeling and I think all of that does trickle in but what did the I mean I know you said that I love your line Peppa Pig would be elected if she stuck a rosette on (laughs) her on her desk no that's it's no I think it's absolutely brilliant I think it's true but it does show that if there's a lack of opposition there holding you know holding local particularly local politicians to account and saying you know why why are we suffering so much so if there was a Tory candidate or a UKIP candidate whatever what what do you think they would be saying about the cuts and would they be blaming austerity for the cuts in your area or would they be saying as Mike was suggesting that maybe it was mismanagement mismanagement absolutely yeah. i'm sure that if anybody took a look at, at, at everything you know where's all this money going daisy you know they've sold everything um and and there's no prospect now of getting it all back and then they, they tell the people on a winner of prayer well we're going to build a new you know big fandango sports center it's going to have all that won't come you know it just won't come um it, we they just tell the they tell the local people i mean i love listening to you guys and i, I get a, a varied perspective and, and I know when I come down south I see the difference in the people power of vote you know because you have nice parks, you have nice recreational mm. areas, you have nice schools when you're driving. I mean the councils down here they don't litter pick they've outsourced everything, there's no more litter picking, they don't do any grass cutting. Uh, and of so course they, they, and they, they and they've got say, a budget of over a hundred million yeah. pounds in Wakefield alone. But they would That's say that they have you know they have had cuts and the, and of course the more poverty you have in an area, the more there is to spend the money on. You know, Westminster Council, which has I think the highest tax revenue of any council in the country, has you know, has an awful lot of rich people who can fund not that you know, not that much, not that high level of poverty. And it, I do understand that there are different pressures on different areas, but it does seem that your area particularly has you know has a fair amount of money and as you said no services left and actually I've just noticed that like Wakefield has one of the lowest or the highest death you know as in your the life expectancy yeah. is is quite low in Wakefield so this is affecting every area of of quality of life in your area Marie Absolutely, but you see, Daisy, on the morning, if you were to go down one particular street in Castleford, you'd see our leader of our of our council getting picked up in a chauffeur-driven car every morning. Why can't he take a bus? You know, he lives on the main... There's a direct bus to Wakefield, and he lives here in Castleford. I don't want to say any, you know, too much, but we, we every morning you would witness him getting in a chauffeur-driven car and a big flash Audi A8 car. Yes, not, you know, exactly. I mean, that is that is the bottom line, Marie. I'm sure that there would be uh, any number of people who could go into Wakefield Council and find ways of them saving money, which might actually impact on them rather than on the people they're supposed to be looking but, after. What about... Mary, what about Yvette Cooper? Because I've always had rather a lot of time for her. I've always thought she's you no. Know, a, no. You t- t- tell no. me why not? You're, 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 I'm sure you're much better um, informed than I am. What's 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 she, she done wrong? Why hasn't she sorted this out? 
Because, I mean, we campaigned, like Daisy, for example, the local A&E. There are some people that live as far as... The, the nearest one that we have now, A&E, is in, in Wakefield. So, um, you know, she never... Ca- she, she, she did a little bit. She does a little bit, Daisy. She just shows her face and, and lets people see. But as I say, people are just so gullible around here. They just don't have no comprehension of, of any other side. You know, it's mm. a staunch Labour area. They're all, you know, they're all a mining community. I know my parents, my grandparents, they would never, ever have voted any other way other than no. Labour. Shocking and I've seen it as, Yeah. My daughter's just gone to school. So, like, for example, when there's been a local election, they've done something in school, and I try and instill into Alicia that, you know, about politics and the way that you can make a change as a young person, you know, by voting and letting them see that you're not going to just stand for, you know, misspending and mismanagement. And um, and she, she said, you know, at school, everybody just automatically voted Labour. You know, there was no discussion in school about any other party. It, it was just automatic mm. that you would just vote Labour. But Yvette Cooper does nothing. I've never seen a Daisy. I have never, ever seen well, it. Well, Marie, I think there is an obvious solution to this, which is I think you should be standing yeah, for, you should. Marie, for Parliament I'd or the Council. I, d- I would I vote for you. I would Sounds definitely terrific. vote for you. This is the Independent Republican Mike Graham. 344 is the number. Sean says this, uh, Ray Austerity, it really depends where you're sourcing your data and ultimately who you believe. For me, it's a myth. We're spending more than we ever did in history and we've got record levels of debt. Well, this is why I partly don't quite get it. But let's go back to the phones. Margaret uh, is in Stoke. Hello, Margaret. Oh, hi. Thanks very much for calling. What would you like to say? Um, it's sort of uh, in connection with um, a caller that you had earlier um, okay. where she was from, I think it was Wakefield and she was talking about the um, lack of debate yes. in a staunch, staunch Labour area mm. and she mentioned um, her daughter's school having a mock election and, you know, Labour was automatically voted in and um, you know, it just struck me that uh, in a state secondary school um, where I work as a teacher, as an English teacher it, it really frustrates me and depresses me um the fact that there seems to be such a closing down of debate yeah so so for example you know <clears throat> teachers are, are, are more or less you know left-wing all of them and it's very difficult to um admit that you have any other political opinion and but not just that it's the fact that the students are <clears throat> influenced for example you know, quite openly in one of the classrooms in my school, one of the teachers has got um, a, quite a humorous poster on her wall um, giving advice to students such as, you know, don't have your hair cut in a mullet. Um, right. But then but then two of the bullet points um, say, uh, one says don't vote Tory, and the wow. other one says don't, don't read the Daily Mail. Right. Um, That's amazing, then, isn't it? Do you know, there's this whole narrative, um, isn't there, which is pro- proposed and pro- uh, um, and put out there by the Labour Party in which they basically make out that if you're a Tory, you're somehow a cruel, nasty, horrible person. And if you vote Labour, then you're somehow a nice person. Exactly. And, you know, as an English teacher, I know this might sound a little bit far-fetched, but I've been watching the, the sort of current uh, youth cults around mm. Jeremy Corbyn. And yeah. I honestly think that it's partly to do with the fact that all students have to study English, and I would say two out of three schools choose the play and inspector calls, for example, right. by J- by Priestley. My um, son's doing that right now, funnily enough. <laughs> yeah, 
Well, I bet your son is being taught in a very sort of... Because obviously English teachers aren't usually political experts and, 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 you know, general knowledge probably varies. Um, And I bet he's been taught in a very um, binary way that um, capitalism is bad and socialism is good because that's what J.B. Priestley thought. And, Mm. you know, I'm trying to give a little bit of context to my students in the fact that in 1912, capitalism probably, which is when the play was set... Capitalism probably was cruel because it was laissez-faire capitalism. There was no regulation. Mm. But in actual fact, now, and I'm trying to introduce a phrase to my students called capitalism with a social conscience, yes. which I say, you know, the last Labour Party, the new, Blair, new, new Labour, was capitalist. Sure. So, um, well, technically, I mean, I... technically, every government we've ever had really is capitalist. We've never really had a proper left-wing government. They tried it a little bit under Callaghan, but it was but, a miserable failure, wasn't but it? But Margaret's so right that the context of you know in which the politics is being borne out is is in many ways not relevant to today's context because you know so if you're talking about pre-welfare state yeah. or you know pre you know the sort of the taxation system we have now or you know the sort of NHS that's a very you know so none of our capitalists yes. in today's world wants to unravel all mm. of that but it does context is everything yeah well I'm going to have to have well, a word well, with him Margaret this is what I've been trying to say to my students, that nobody now, whether they vote Conservative or, or whatever they vote, would want to take away the NHS. And But I, I, I mean, as I used to be in a, a more senior position and I've observed lessons as part of um, observing teachers. And, you know, I've seen things, opinions being taught as, as fact, yeah. like, for example, in sociology lessons, you know, I saw a PowerPoint where the teacher was actually saying which party would be more likely to believe in the preservation of the NHS, and, yeah. and the answer was the Labour Party. And uh, but personally, I find it very difficult to, you know, be too vocal for because, for example, um, for six formers, we had a debate about Brexit, and right. um, they were encouraged to understand what was going on. So one teacher spoke to them about um, in, as a Remainer. And I spoke as a lever to try to, to kind of give a little bit of balance. Right. And But because at the time I made the mistake of making a few um, sort of comments on social media about the whole thing. And I was literally vilified mm. by people who knew that I had voted uh, for Brexit. And it, it's... I really, What do you mean, I in just, the school I mean, or just on social media? Uh, on social media by colleagues. Really? And... Yeah. and yeah, and I, I just feel I'm not saying that you know the Daily Mail is the best paper, and I'm not saying that students should vote one particular party, but I feel really strongly that free speech and debate is being closed down in, particularly in state secondary schools. Yeah. I can see the evidence of it, you know, in front. That's of a me. shocking thing I, to I, be I, to I, be having to be told by a teacher, Margaret. I'm really quite. I mean, I'll tell you what I found very surprising when I was in my uh, my my son's secondary school because my 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 younger son has, has gone there for the first time so we went to sort of an open day mm. and walked around every single corridor where there was a um a, a notice board every single notice board in every single classroom had a poster for stonewall now you know i'm not homophobic in any way shape or form but i'm slightly uneasy about stonewall having a poster in every single room of and every single part of the school uh, where we're talking mm. to kids about all manner of different things yeah, exactly. And it's it's that's the thing. It, the debate just seems to be um, it, it's like it's rather one side yeah. at the yeah. moment. And I, I find that that, you know, is um, and it's, it, you know, it's the same thing with the higher with higher education, isn't it? Institutions that were traditionally 
forums for exploration and, and free speech and, you know, the, a real range of, of ideas, that that's not happening anymore. And I, I feel really sorry for students because... And I, you know, I feel that at the moment I'm I'm kind of becoming a little bit biased in the way I'm teaching an, an inspector course because I feel so strongly that I'm having to try and redress the balance yeah. a little yeah. bit and try and try and inject I'm, some critical thinking in there well, rather than just yeah. I mean, my, my son's first question to me was he wasn't quite sure who the inspector was, so maybe they're too busy teaching him about uh, left wing politics and not about the actual concept of the play. <laughs> It, it, yeah, I, I mean, I I agree, and I think that I think that you know I honestly don't know whether Priestley would would have been a, um, a Corbyn, Corbynista uh, if he were if he if he were alive now. I think in, you know in 1945 I would have voted Labour, and we needed that change. We sure. needed the NHS, and I previously voted Labour, Labour, but you know my political opinions have, have changed somewhat in recent years, but yeah. it's not, that's, not, that's not the point. The point no. is that students should be exposed to the full range of opinions exactly. and, and, you know, things that are, are opinions shouldn't be being, um, you know, promoted as facts, which I see all the time. No, absolutely right, Margaret. Well, do keep in touch with us because I'll be fascinated to see whether uh, you do become in some way a target for people inside the school because of the views that you've got. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.